Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, or evening. This is your weekly ads, Ant-Man and Dylan. We got we got some topics, I think, today to talk about. This is a, this is probably more of a, I don't want to say a ranty topic, but it's an interesting kind of entertainment topic where I guess modern-day entertainment is that that we kind of touched on last week. Yeah. It's a topic you can go in a lot of different directions, and there's a lot of different takes you can go with it. Yeah, and the the topic of discussion is adaptations, everybody. So this is, you know, books to movies, video games to movies, anime to physical movies, or vice versa, I guess, even if you want, you know, video games in the books, or when that, you know, you see uh, a movie become a novel instead of vice versa, you know, like the book adaptation that's never mm-hmm. quite as good as the movie because you're taking a screenplay into a book, but whatever the case may be, comics to movies and TV shows. Um, some have been successful, some haven't been successful. There's formulas we've seen for success, and then we've seen, you know, Yui Bowl has made, what, how many video game movies that <laughs> have mm-hmm. faltered in the last two decades? Um, but he's tried. I mean, I get, I think we give him credit for doing something. The you know yeah. the original person of trying to head stuff, but I think uh, we're in a very unique situation these days because of successful ones or successful franchises. Um, Assassin's Creed, Uncharted, Halo, Resident Evil, all these video games that have been around for a long time, or you know even you know, decades, two decades, three plus decades now have all been adapted in some way, shape, or form and not quite with the success as I guess people would have, I guess fans would have wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, you know, one would be like Resident Evil has, what, a six-movie franchise that had nothing to do with the video games mm-hmm. uh, that existed. It was just basically a summer blockbuster zombie film. And they then, took certain ideas from the games, but it was it never followed any direct storyline from the from the games to the movies. Yeah, and then the most recent film, Welcome to Raccoon City, is based on the first two games. Um, yeah. I think most criticism was uh, appearance of some of the movie, like CGI stuff or effects or whatever, and then maybe some miscasting of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it followed. It's probably the closest relation, but now Netflix has a new series for it coming out that once again has nothing to do with the video games. Um, it's a time skipping series where the characters are kids and the characters are adults, and the zombie mm-hmm. apocalypse has taken over the world again in the future timeline. So, once again, you have the name attached to it, but it has nothing to do with seemingly nothing it's all about to do. Name recognition. Yeah. If you call the zombie show something else, it wouldn't, just by having the name Resident Evil in it, it gets people at least mildly interested in it. But if you just see that it's another zombie show and it just has some generic title, most people are not going to give it a second chance. At, at least at first viewing, maybe if it's actually good, they'll go back and look at it. But just having that name gets people to watch the first episode. Yeah, and I think... I think when it got announced, no one knew what it was going to be. 
especially because the movie was happening at the same time. But I think now, like, the first trailer dropped, everybody's like, oh, this is what you're giving us. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's a disappointment. But, again, I feel like that's a franchise that's been so played out now that yeah. it's hard to garner, like, a positive outlook on it. Whereas, you know, you take something newer or something older, I guess, because the Sonic movies, which I think they're pretty entertaining. They're, you know, they're only like PG movies or whatever, but Sonic's not like a rated M video game character or storyline, right? Yeah. Like, it's even the original games, the 8-bit games are, or 16-bit, what, what 16-bit? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, they had simple plots, but it worked. It's a kid's game. It's a kid's movie, and I don't think that it dwells too far into the realm of, like, kiddiness, where it's yeah. still enjoyable. Because I thought they were both funny. Like, I watched the first one recently, and then they added the second one on Paramount Plus. Watched yeah. it, and, you know, I laughed. Like, it, it was a fun movie to watch. Because yeah. it wasn't overdone. I think, to, to go back a, a little bit, I was thinking of them about Resident Evil. It's funny that they've done all these different Resident Evil adaptations, but they've never done a direct or, or at least somewhat indirect um, adaptation of the most popular game, which is Resident Evil 4 which would actually be a really cool setting and you could get a really eerie atmosphere yeah. with it. If you tried to adapt at least parts and like the setting um, of Resident Evil four being in like Eastern Europe, but they haven't done that, but they keep, you know, doing the rinse and repeat stuff and it's, it's nothing new. So it's like, they want to take the safe route, but the safe route isn't it. It's, it's the, the returns are dwindling each and every time. Yeah, it was kind of like they they the first film franchise introduced Leon. Yeah, they did in the but... fifth film, I think. And then and the worst problem is like every time they introduce the characters, it was in a weird way. Like when they brought Chris Redfield in, yeah, you know, like you you start bringing it like, again. It was like in name only. It's yeah. like here's a guy who's Leon Kennedy. Here's a guy who's Chris Redfield. Here's a girl who's Jill Valentine. And some of them kind of seemed like the characters from the video games, but it, mostly they weren't real. No, because Chris was, yeah, Chris was ridiculous, and Leon was close to it. But then you didn't even have the support to bring the actor back and the character back for the next movie. In both cases, like yeah. Chris, they stopped using after that film, and then Leon didn't make it into the film. Um, yeah, that's. That, I think that's one of those things where at least with the newest movie, if it continues or whatever the case may be, they introduce the characters correctly. I've yet to see it, but that's what it sounds like. I've read the plot because like, why not? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. It could, whatever happens next with it happens next with it. Uh, But I think the success of some of these movies is just, what do I want to say? You gotta, you gotta know the audience, and you gotta know what really. What I mean, like with any filmmaking, you gotta know what you're doing. And I feel like, I mean, they they almost had a major screw up um, when they made when they came out with the original trailer for the Sonic movie. Everyone hated it. But one thing that they did, which it seems like you know these movie studios should do more often, but they don't, is listen to the fans and they change how they look. Yeah, and that right there was the difference because if it had been the same movie, but he just looked different, 
everyone would have made it a, a meme and a joke. Yeah, and I even mean, though it's entertaining. Yeah, because they they listen to the fan. They said we're not going to try to change something that's not broken. We're not going to try to change the way a character looks. We're going to go back to how like a three D interpretation of what he would look like is. And that's so what they give the fans, and then they got they made enough money to where they were able to do a sequel with it. So, you know, that just goes to show if if you know the audience and you respect the audience and you give them something that's, you know, at least mildly entertaining, then they'll go see it. Yeah, I think my favorite. I I forgot that happened. Like in between, because I only watched the movie recently because of Paramount mm-hmm. Plus. Or, or, or I either watched on Hulu or that, the first one. Yeah. And I was just, I finally like gave in to watching it because I didn't know what to expect. Like, I know people liked it, but I'm like, okay, but am I going to like it sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I totally forgot that they changed it all until, like, I think I saw, like, a meme about it or something where people were like, hey, remember, they did this because us fans spoke up. Or, you know, mm-hmm. people made fun of it to say, hey, you probably should change this. And... Yeah. To me, I don't know, like, I understand, like, at first it probably looked that way, but it looked so good, like, watching the movie that I'm glad that they did change it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm, it worked out for the utmost better uh, precaution that, you know, they could have done, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this brings up, like, an interesting point is I guess I'm glad Sonic actually has Sonic in it. Um, mm-hmm. Just speaking about Resident Evil... I mean, that even brings up, like, the Assassin's Creed movie. Like, yeah. it, you don't even have your main character from the video game in it. You don't have mm-hmm. one of the named assassins that everybody knew up until that point because I think, what, like, five of the games were out? I think we were on, like, probably Black Flag. Like that. I, mean, I think that one came out. So, yearly too, so. Yeah, so, like, you had characters, plot, and instead the writers decided to write something completely new with the ideas of it. Well, that's the problem, and it, and it goes to um, an issue that I think is more prevalent now than ever, is people are taking a an idea that they know very little about, or a story they know very little about, they look at the very basics of it, and they don't know any nuance, and then they try to adapt it to what they think it should be, or, or they want to put their flair into it. And I think that's where you go wrong, because you take something that is beloved and then you just decide that you know better than the audience does. Like you should always try to make the story and, and surprise the audience, but the, the audience probably knows the source material better than you do. So I was reading how one of the uh, writers for the new Kenobi series had never even seen um, episode three. No shit. Yeah. Yet he's writing episodes for a series that takes place directly after and is including the two main characters of of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the epitome of lore that revolves yeah. around these characters, like let alone the, the, the universe at that time. Mm-hmm. Everything that puts it in place. That see, that's wild. Like, and and this even goes back. You think it's wrong of me to say like? Is it would it be hard to write a movie off a video game because of the plot? Because like, there's some games that have massive amounts of story, and something like say Skyrim 
or The mm-hmm. Witcher or an RPG that has tons of side quests, right? Where you have so many overbranching stories that were written. Yeah. But there's still a main story in there. Mm-hmm. Then there's games that are very linear. Something like Halo, Call of Duty, you know, like six hours, that, you know, the game guides you because it's, you know, a rail shooter, essentially. You know, you go through everything and do it. But would it be hard to adapt that when you have, like, the plots in front of you? Like, yes, you have to write shots and decide what maybe is utmost important, but the story's there. See, I was I was watching um, uh, uh, a review, like, yesterday, actually, on YouTube of a movie, and someone was talking about how a lot of people think that with movies and visual media, the main point is the plot. But there are so many more things that go into a visual medium. Mm-hmm. And so if you took a game with a very simple plot, like a Halo, people really aren't playing it for the plot too much. They're playing it because of the giant set pieces, the sci-fi setting, like the the, the mystique of Master Chief and how he's like that he's like that silent protagonist and you don't need to know a lot about him. You don't but that because that's who he is. Yeah. You know all you need to know about him. So instead of trying to focus on let's let's face reveal Master Chief, focus on the things that were already there that what that and the things that made the people love the series. Yeah. And if you focus that on more than trying to put again your own because you again, you think these writers think that they know more than than the creators of the series, or they know more than the the fans, and they don't. Yeah. So give the people what I mean. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's like they don't do it. Give the people what they want. Yeah, because I, I guess you know what you said kind of goes with what I'm asking. Is saying like, yeah, like the plot, the plot in Halo is simpler than it is. It, it, you're running mm-hmm. around shooting aliens, essentially. You're surviving shooting aliens. Yeah. I mean, some of the best movies of all time, if you told people the plot very simply, they'd say, wow, that sounds like an incredibly boring movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah but there's so sure. much more than goes, goes into the movie than the plot. Yeah, yeah. But then these people who, who are like half-assed writers go in and they think they're the smartest people in the room and they write a, a plot that, that people don't want to see that doesn't make any sense. And then you wonder why it doesn't do well. It's like... It seems like it makes sense to everyone else what these people doing. Yeah, and I think this, and you, just the segue in the Halo, this makes me bring up my, like, Halo series rant. Because the show, like, when the first trailer drops, like, when it dropped, it was like, oh, wow, set pieces look good, costumes look good. Um, I don't remember if the first trailer showed much of the Covenant. I think it showed a little bit. And it was like, okay, you know, but it's a cable series. I don't think anyone knew what to expect. But the visuals of, like, the Spartans and the Marines and the human stuff look good, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I go about watching the show, and part of it got off the rails a little bit with, like, how stuff was happening. Like, the combat was decent. Like, the first episodes, firefights or whatever, Um but then, like, when you start getting outside of that, it just took a big left turn. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole side plot involving this fucking girl character, this last survivor of this outpost. And, like, spoiler alert, Chief's bringing her back to the thing, and they wanted, the UNSC wants to use her for, like, propaganda because she was from, like, a rebel group and about the Covenant invasion. Like, basically telling her, like, hey, 
the Spartans didn't kill everybody like the war, the internal human war that was happening before the Covenant. Useless lore, but... Uh, and then Chief decides to, like, keep her alive. Like, no, fucking Master Chief in the video game would have threw her ass to them and said, hey, I'm calling it a day. Yeah. I got other shit to do. You exactly. know? Again, like, one of these things where they're trying to put politics into a show where it's not about politics. Yeah. And, it's about U.S. space marines going and killing aliens. Yeah, and it was like, it's the and it's the worst secondary plot ever because I don't, I don't care. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. I just want to, like... There's a whole episode that's just dedicated to that plot, I believe, coming up, or that that can't, that's in the order line. I haven't watched this episode like three because I'm scared because I don't want to. Yeah, there's still cool scenes in it. Like there's a scene where they have like the the creature that makes up the hunters, the like mm-hmm. eel like creatures are like attacking people in a room and shit. Um, there's a big firefight scene with the vehicles, like banshees are coming in. The the grunts and jackals are all there and whatever. Really cool. There's an unfortunate part in the middle of all the coolness where one of the Spartans and their glorified plot lines is getting emotionally bared down by all the bodies everywhere and starts getting gunned down herself until Chief saves her. And, you know, I have watched the scene on YouTube to read the comments, and mm-hmm. people are like, this is ridiculous, makes no sense, because... You guys made the character do this, but this character wouldn't have done this. Like, it would have kept yeah. fighting until yeah. it couldn't fight no more because that's what they exactly. do. Like, why if did you... know you... anything about the lore of Halo, you know that the Spartans, like, they're not emotional like that. Like, they're basically killing machines. Like, they're not going to get distraught by dead bodies and just, like, give up their own lives. That, that, that's never been in any of the games, and it doesn't fit the, that character archetype. Yeah, it was it was completely weird, and it just kind of like was one of those things where in like a in a pretty in probably like the best scene up until that point, action wise, because there wasn't a lot of action between episode one and three or four, whatever it episode was. It was cool, but then that like ruined it because mm-hmm. you're just like, man, are you are you serious right now? Like this should be F. And then Master Chief has sex in one of the episodes with the enemy spy, yeah. like. Oh, I don't care about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, like I guess the only thing, like the only positive outcome of any of it, is that I think the route of a series beats the outcome of a movie. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, because if it was wrote better, per se, um, I would rather have the series where I can have more action or more plot to not forget anything than trying to shove it all into like a movie mm-hmm. and, and that even comes down to how long a movie could end up being see that that goes to like what a lot of people have been saying I don't know the past decade probably that show adaptations are better than movies because you can fit more in but being able to fit more in isn't necessarily a good thing you have to have enough material and adapt it correctly to put it in. So I, I've i thought about it, and I think in most instances, if you're adapting books and, and different things, a movie is better because you can take the very best of the plot, the setting, and all of that, and you can adapt it. A, in a very precise way, mm. which with in a show you have to fill it out more. 
And if you don't have enough material, then it gets bad. So, and then what that, an example of that is uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was amazing when they were adapting the books. And like, um, I forgot what the names were. Was it David and the two showrunners? Of, yeah. Uh, they were really, like, people shit on them because of the later seasons, but they were very good at adaptation. So the, what, they, what they did with those first seasons, especially like the first four four seasons, was really good. And it's only when they only had an outline and not a strict structure, and they didn't have, like, those character perspectives, like what was going on in the character's mind, is when they had to improvise. And unfortunately, they're not that creative people to improvise that sort of way. And neither were the writers. Do you so think? I personally think. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you, I was just gonna say, like, do you think? Because I know how like massive those books are. Um, I never personally read any of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? I guess you know, in terms of adaptation, do you think there is stuff that was left out, kind of like in the Lord of the Rings? Like everyone knows, there's parts that are left out of it for the good of the movie. Or, you know, yeah. like stuff that's not even in the extended edition. It's just not there at mm-hmm. all. Um, do you think if they would have put more in it, would have helped them? Or do you think it's just natural oh. effect of... In, in terms of Game of Thrones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm more than confident if George R. R. Martin hadn't taken, I don't know what is it is at this point, 15 years to come out with the next book, that they would have at least had another book, The Winds of Winter, and they would have adapted that season a lot better than what was done now. Mm. I have no doubt about that. Even if they did divulge from some storylines from the books, they still would have had a more clear outline of character ambitions, character thoughts, and, and everything like that. And, and you bring up Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson probably did one of the best film adaptations of a book series ever. I mean, even though he had, did have to trim some characters, unfortunately, in some plot points, what he had, again, because there was so much material, he was able to condense it in such a way that those three films are are so powerful within themselves that a series would be cool, but you would have to have someone who is as passionate about it as, like, a Peter Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, I think that brings up like a good point too. In like, without ever, if you never read Lord of the Rings, but you watch the movies, and to be able to get in the movies, because I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but if you're able to watch them, enjoy them, you don't feel like anything's missing because you don't know it. And I guess that's the same way with any adaptation. But there's mm-hmm. some that I think you watch like a book to movie adaptation, and you either feel like it's rushed or. It's like there's there's gaps in there where you're like, I don't understand. Like, I don't think there's something missing, but I feel like there's something missing. Um, but I but I agree with you, though. I agree with you in, like, books to movies, I think, works a lot better than a book to series, according to what it is. Rather, it's a, you know, you can take one book and make it into multiple episodes or a season of a show or a multitude of books. And you just have enough plot. I guess it comes down to what the book's about, too. Mm-hmm. You know, something that has multiple locations as opposed to a, a static area. Well, or we're, finally, 
we're finally getting to the point where shows are getting a, a lot larger budgets to make like a more authentic and bigger movie-like experience for like seasons of shows as opposed to movies. So when Lord of the Rings came out, you you wouldn't have gotten nearly the quality in a show that you would get in a movie. So they could only do movies yeah. if you wanted yeah. it to be good. Um, with just like the CGI and the sets and everything and the quality of acting. Now, now a lot of quality actors are more in TV. And so that brings up, obviously, the coming up Lord of the Rings series. Now, Amazon has made some good stuff and Amazon has made some not good stuff. But in terms of the Lord of the Rings series, they have, they actually don't have a lot of material to go off of with the series. Yeah. They have auxiliary material like lore in the past but with the way the what amazon has is they have all of tolkien's unfinished tales which was like a big period in the second age of middle earth where he didn't write a lot about where he alludes to in other books and and around other characters but he really didn't write that much about it so Amazon got the rights to that, and now they're filling in all these gaps with certain characters and different things happening in the Second Age. So they're just taking liberties to do a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm going to say right now, I don't think those people are as smart as a Peter Jackson or a J.R.R. Tolkien to make an adaptation that is going to be nearly as good. They have the money now to make it look good, but is the plot going to be there? Because that's another thing with a show you need to more of is it can be very basic but you need the plot to keep people coming back week after week yeah or episode after episode yeah i think uh a good way to put it is like when you give a mad libs type plot or source material like that is you're essentially given a fan fiction to these writers because it's not adapting it, it's filling the blanks in. Mm-hmm. And it becomes more free range than a condensed range of writing. And then they, along with that, they they take liberties and they do things that you would have to put yourself in the shoes of the writer. What would the writer do about this? What has the writer of the series or book or whatever written about this and how would they come about this situation? A lot of them don't do that. They just say, I think, you know, uh, Galadriel's around. So I think Galadriel in the new series should be a warrior. Tolkien never wrote Galadriel to be a a warrior. She was powerful in magic and she could do a lot of harm. I mean, obviously the movies kind of show that the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings where she can do some damage if she really wants to. But a sword and shield fighting, like sword maiden type thing, Galadriel was never that was never her. So, but they've taken the liberty to change it instead of keeping the instead of writing within the bounds of of what the story was. Yeah, and that's kind of like a weird way of like you know disregarding like RPG rules. Like once you make a character, you can't class change them. So yeah, uh, like how are you going to adapt her from? this to all of a sudden she has because I'm assuming even in like you know this is going off the nerdy realm here and lore realm but like I'm assuming you don't just wake up as a elven wizard one day because like mm-hmm. it was not like Legolas was casting lightning bolt 
on people. Yeah. You know, like he was just a straight up fighter. So, you know, there's obviously just basic kind of, I mean, that's some basic plot right there. You know, character mm-hmm. building. I guess not plot, but character yeah. building is like, yeah, exactly. How do you, how do you explain, how do you explain this one? Because it, it actually takes a lot more ingenuity when you're constrained to be, uh, you, you, if you're more constrained, you know what you can and can't do. So then what you can do, then there's actually more possibilities because you're within that box. Whereas if you take the box away, most people just go off in any sort of direction that they want to. And then when you go back and you look at the source material, well, the direction you went is in nowhere, shape or form how the character would have acted based on everything up until this point. Yeah. Yeah. There's no constraints on it. And you know, that it's kind of goes into, man, I'm trying to think of like some series that there's obviously some adaptations that have done that. I guess you can even say maybe like the super Mario brothers movie from the early nineties. You could, I I would say, um, Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker was a guy who put down his sword to not kill his father and would rather himself get killed because of the faith he had in his father, who was like, at that point, the most evil person in the universe, second most evil after Sidious. Yep. And then in the new movies, his nephew, who has a little bit of dark side in him at that point, he instinctively, without thinking, turns on his lightsaber like he's going to kill his own nephew. Yeah. That is not Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is impulsive, but he, he doesn't jump to like, oh, I got to kill this person. He's my nephew because he has dark side in him. Because he took the person who was literally the epitome of dark side and turned them back to the light. So that's one of those instances where someone thought they knew more than the character and and the creator and did something that doesn't fit the character at all. Yeah, it's kind of like, what do you want to say, like in 40 years somehow a person changed like that much where their original beliefs that got them to that point. you, You would have to explain that because what you had was character growth. Yeah. So you're going to say the character regressed? Well, then you have to give me a compelling reason why they did that. Which they didn't. If no. You, like, up to that point in what we were given, there is, there, there's zero. Zero. Effect. Exactly. So, and, and then that's, that's what's happening. And it, it really just seems like, to me, I, I watch a lot of, of movies, um, lots of old movies, black and white movies, movies, you know, all through the decade. And, most great movies that ever come out were adaptations from books. And most of the time you probably don't even know it. Yeah. Um, but that's what makes it so good is because they adapted that book so well, it doesn't seem like it comes from a book. It seems like it's, it's a movie that was written by, by someone writing a screenplay. But, but when you are confined with what the book has, you have an infinite amount of ways to express it. This brings up something like, I was going to bring it up last week and I actually forgot and then I re-remembered it. What if you say the book has gone on for like 25 plus years, has over a thousand chapters, has a super... I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, a super anime with over a thousand episodes and a greenlit show for One Piece is underway. Um, 
I watched a short video. The video was on YouTube. I just accidentally ran into it with the set pieces, and they're building like full size set pieces for this thing. So, my first reaction to that is, and I saw I saw the pictures, and it looks like they're they're very into One Piece, and they at least like the material. So, I would say with One Piece, since it's been around for so much for so long, and there's so many side characters and the show is about the connections between all these different characters and all the different pirate crews. And I mean, one piece compared to a lot of the other shonen anime doesn't have that much action. In yeah. Comparatively yeah. It's not, how long it's been around. yeah. It's not really like the Naruto bleach now in like the anime sense. Like, yes, a fight probably still lasts like 10 episodes or whatever. Yeah. Accordingly. You know what but I mean? The, but it's not the, the, the amount of time between them is is, is greater. Between yeah, the next big fight. Yeah, yeah, the big big fights. Like there's like small action scenes, and most and most of it is like it's a lot of the typical like shonen stuff, kind of like a tough fight or an easy fight. Yeah, there's, but yeah. it does you know create those bonds and the connection. Like I I like it because of that. You know, like I yeah. like all the characters, the interactions between mm-hmm. them, and then the action's good enough to where like. Yeah, Some of it's over it the top. It, it's, it's yeah. rewarding. Um, so, like, as you were saying, with, like, as much as there is, like, I have no idea what this show's gonna do once it's, like, physically there for us to watch. But so, like, they're giving it good love with the set pieces. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's, and that's that's good. That there, that, I because mean, I think, when you think of, like, One Piece, like, it's a show about pirates on the open ocean going to different lands. And, you know, these different lands, some of them are sand, like desert. Some of them are cold. Some of them are obviously, you know, you're island hopping tropical. Um, and then you have like, like fortresses and stuff like that. So that's a big part of it. And then I would say the other big part of it is the character relations more than anything else. And so you, so first the crew of, of the straw hats, you're going to have to get people who, act and work really well together to and that and then they're going to know the characters because Oda writes really good characters and they fit into specific roles yeah. and if they have people who don't fit into those roles right then you're going to throw off the whole dynamic of the crew yeah and like initially like I think they released like like months ago before this came out they released like the cast mm-hmm. they made an official like post of it was it like a crazy posts of, you know, information that someone on the internet got and posted, like Netflix and One Piece posted it. And, you know, they tried, they, it seems like they uh, cast everyone with the nationality that Oda wrote for each character because, like, he's mm-hmm. been, you know, he'll give away on, like, the character specs and the manga or whatever, yeah. on the like, character pages or whatever. And it seems pretty good. Um, the sets look really good, like all the boat sets, because like that's what pretty much most of the first kind of big arc of the story is uh, at sea, besides a couple island spots or whatever. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like the fishmen are a big part of that first arc, so I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. on like how they'll end up looking. Yeah. Uh, but has it been confirmed that they're doing fishmen because they could do something? Yes. Really different? Does that during they that have, set video they mentioned Arlong? Oh, oh okay. who's that fish boss okay. who captures Nami? So, so again, I would say 
don't mess up how Arlon looks. He has, he's a very distinctive looking character in the show, like most characters that Oda writes, because some of them are so wacky looking. Yeah. He's very distinctive looking. Don't change him. And that reminds me of another character in a big movie that's coming out um, in the Thor movie, in Christian Bale, in Thor the God Butcher. Mm. He looks like a regular human, a human, like a clown with his face painted white. Like, why not just make him look? You you did it with Thanos. You've done it with other characters. Why did you all of a sudden decide to change the way for the God Butcher looks? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, that's weird, too, because, well... Yeah, as as the MCU as a whole, because I would just, I would just think of like the previous Thor movie, and in a sense, uh, you know, Scar was actually changed for that movie, and mm-hmm. uh, not the collector, but uh, who ran Scar in Ragnarok? Oh, I can't mm-hmm. even think of his yeah. name, but you know, uh, he was even yeah. he was even technically written down from what mm-hmm. the character actually is in the comics. But yeah, there's some weird things like that where I think it, even if you write the character down to make it work for your plot, get that, get that appearance, right. So at least there's something there. And, because that's the difference between adapting a visual, an, another visual medium. Mm-hmm. So you're taking a visual medium like a video game and then you're adapting it to a movie. Well, people already have in their head what the character is. And it's, it's unanimous because everyone sees it that way because that's how he wrote it. As opposed to a book where if you're writing a book about, you know, Gore the God Butcher or Arlon, okay, you, you there's an infinite amount of ways you could, like, think of a guy who goes around killing gods in the universe or a character who's, like, half man, half fish. Yeah. But then you once you show people the interpretation that you have, either they like it or they don't, but most times they're at least going to deal with it. But you can see time and time again, where now they change what characters look like, established characters, and it it's not good. And then that kind of circles back to Sonic, where they listened to the fans, they changed it, and it ended up working out for them. Did, did you end up watching the new Mortal Kombat movie that came out? I did. Okay. Yeah. So my biggest gripe about that movie is the character they created. Yeah. Why? Because to me... To me, it's unneeded because you have a roster of 100-plus characters and you created someone. And you didn't need to because the Mortal Kombat plot has, like, you know, what Liu Kang is the epitome of a main character in that universe, kind of like Ryu and Street Fighter. Yeah. You know, and, you, you know, he already has a plot around him because you have, again, numerous video games. And in most cases, yeah. you know, there's... With a, you know a game like Mortal Kombat, the lore makes up the story. Otherwise, the video game is just fighting people. You know that's all you're yeah. doing. You know you have to be you have to be interested in those characters to understand the lore. Otherwise, you just like but in you know the, the game itself. Mm-hmm. But to me, like when I watched it and they invented a new character, it was kind of like a weird slap in the face a little bit because it just seemed so unnecessary. Because the characters that I guess I'm used to in the video game seemed like they were all sidelined. Like they wanted to write stuff for them. Um, mm-hmm. because they mentioned it like that he's powerful or whatever, but he's still sidelined behind this movie plot. I, I, I understand everything that you're saying and I agree with you to an extent, 
And I think if they had made the character more compelling, it would have been less egregious because mm. he was kind of boring. You know, it was that typical like, oh, you know, fighting and you know, down on his luck type type character. But I would say there is there there's a ton of different characters in Mortal Kombat, and so I think the fact that they are all side characters helps it. Because even with the multiple games, there really isn't that much of an or overall storyline with those characters. Mm-hmm. And I think you can make it to where you're not just focusing on one of those side characters or one of those characters from the games more than the other one. Yeah, they all kind of got their they all kind of got their moment to shine in the movie. Yeah. So I think like if again, I, and I agree with with the premise of what you said. But in that particular instance, I didn't. I didn't see it as egregious as you did. But I, I do think if they had write, written the character to be more interesting, then it, it wouldn't have been that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely like he's so generic, and I guess that probably like where my gripe more comes from is that like yeah. if you're gonna invent someone, like it, uh, I guess one of the parts is too that kind of got me a little bit because he's essentially what the bloodline of scorpion spoiler alert in the movie mm-hmm. right like the group you know yeah. 20 generations down thought, the line i thought that part was cool it's yeah like yeah they though i agree they, with you there they tied him in. yeah yeah i, I think that was, i think that was yeah. cool too i think i i think the one part that got me is that like i wish that was like that was his powers mm-hmm. you know like he was gonna yeah. all of a sudden be good with like the kunai and rope or you know, I, I keep, like, as I'm visualizing Scorpion in my head, I'm thinking, like, you know, the original Mortal Kombat Scorpion where the thing came out of his hand that they did in the 90s, yeah. you know? Because, like, it, and even in the 90s, that was pretty cool, you know, as opposed to being, like, a weapon. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of wish, like, they went that route with the character because by that final yeah. fight scene, you know, he's got this whole different, weird, invincible powers that they gave him with a yeah. suit armor and some weapons that, you know, like he was a character out of Dynasty Warriors instead yeah. of... Yeah, I think those are called like Tonfa or something Yeah, yeah, like yeah Tonfa's, yeah. And then had like the breastplate on or whatever, whereas yeah. I wish it he would have like shot like fire or something. Like, yeah. It would have been cooler if he would have like donned an ancient piece of Japanese armor and, and you know, or something like that and stood next to his grandfather. It, again, it's, it's those little details where you really have to think about what would... And obviously, some of it probably has to do with money. Um, but if you're going to do that, you have to make you have to make that character more interesting than the characters around them. Yeah, yeah, and I think and they didn't. Do yeah, that. I think that's just like I think that's what just got me is where like I wanted to see more of the other characters just because like this seems so cookie cutter. That I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, like I've seen this movie, never back down. Yeah. You know, like it's like like it's like, oh man. Um, but I think like that even brings up more points where like that was a super. I don't know if it was super hyped. It was cool. The idea of it was cool when it came out. I thought like, it was entertaining. It was definitely yeah. like a fun watch. I think the ending was super rushed. But... It was a fun watch. It was it had the funny moments. I think all the characters were pretty good, or the actors, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I'll be looking forward to the second one. I mm-hmm. think it'll be cooler. But to, to, to circle back to uh, the One Piece thing, I think 
whether one piece fails or succeeds is really based on one, not based on the sole thing, but it's, it'll be a big factor is how many episodes you're going to have in a season. Yeah. Lately. And I hate that this is the case. Most shows have eight to 12 episodes a season. You know, 10, 15 years ago, shows had 20, 30 episodes a season. One of my favorite shows of all time is 24. Every season it was 24 episodes. And they were like hour-long hour episodes. Yep. All of them were compelling. A lot of stuff happened in every episode. So don't tell me that we can't have like a longer episode, you know, running half a year-long series and, and have enough material to fill it. Because if you're going to adapt one piece, you definitely have enough material to fill 20 to 25 episodes a season. Yeah, I'm very curious on like the episode count. Because after looking at the sets, like it looks like they cover like the whole first arc. Like, like they get mm-hmm. the whole initial straw hat crew together, like Luffy, Nami, yeah. Zoro. See, that's one of those things where it's like, you oh, what? Okay, so you're going to probably do a a crew member an episode, yeah, and then it's like you're not going to establish those moments that came like when when Luffy got Zoro and then they had like their moment and then when Luffy got Sanji and they had their moment and like all those different characters you're just going to rush it yeah and then you're going to go on to the next one and you're not going to you're not going to establish those those early bonds between the characters that are so crucial to a story like One Piece yeah I mean if it drops and like knowing Netflix all the episodes will come out at the same time for that type of series Mm -hmm. if it says like eight episodes I'm going to be mad yeah if it says ten I'll be a little less mad because it's not eight, you know? Yeah. Um, if it's 12, I'd probably be, like, happy knowing it. And then, obviously, I'll probably, like, skim through the episodes I real quick I- to see what happens. Um, but I agree with you. That actually brings up a good point. I don't know. I don't think I brought it up last week, but it's something I wanted to bring up before thinking about this in my head is The Walking Dead is a show that had the high episode count because AMC wanted the the similar idea there. But so many episodes were filler that nothing happened. Yeah. That it you know, it became the the downfall, I think. Majority like I stopped watching it for that reason. You know, not cause like it just seemed so much more drawn out and Mm -hmm. you know and it it came in that point too, where you like they would talk about a character and then kill that character in the same episode. It's like, okay, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Like, this is the world of the zombie apocalypse, but this is a TV yeah, show they, too. They went the opposite approach, which was being greedy. Yeah, which was not making a concise story, but filling it with tons of stuff that's gonna eventually people are gonna get tired of. Yeah, I think, and I think the the Witcher suffers from that small episode count too. The Witcher is definitely one I wanted to uh, talk about um, because when you look at the past three seasons of The Witcher, it's like the first like one fourth of one game. Yeah, it's like it's it's nothing compared to the overall story and everything that's in The Witcher books, firstly, and then the video games. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think because like we're like obviously COVID happened. And everything got derailed, but like we're on, like we're on the third season of the show, and it feels like mm-hmm. oh, excuse me, feels like nothing has happened because yeah. of how like and mainly part of that's because of the write in too. But like when season two dropped, I was like, 
please be more than eight episodes or whatever it was. And like, I went to the episode count and I was like, I was hoping for 10 or 12. Yeah. Cause I'm like, all right, you've been working on this two years. You said you were going to give us more. And it's only like seven episodes, I think six or seven. Exactly. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, and the, like the, the, the finale was cool, but it was the most action packed part of the whole season. But mm. then it was like, now we have to wait a year for a year for eight more episodes and, and very little advancement in, in the plot or they, or they go the opposite where they just go so completely far ahead that like, they don't explain how we got to, to a certain point And then it's like you time skipped and we're at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, th- that's when like these, Netflix stream and service episode counts have become the the worst thing for a series. I guess if you can do eight episodes and it feels good, it's okay. But I guess that comes down to the series. Like some series can do it; and it's perfectly fine. Well, that's why I think like if you compare that to uh, Stranger Things, yeah, Stranger Things is written to be about an eight episode, nine, ten episode season, and it's written for that purpose. Yeah, so they can trim whatever fat they don't want and keep the really good stuff. And that's what it is. You don't have to, you don't have to fit the bounds of it because you already know the boundaries. Yeah. And then and I'm so greedy about that show that I want more of it. Cause I hate that there's only, cause I like it so much, Yeah, but you got to yeah, respect it. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, it's kind of crazy to start thinking about. And then actually that brings up a good point there is that Stranger Things isn't based on anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a written show that's taken off that has no source material. Yeah. Um Well, it does have source material. It's like all of the eighties. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah, so, they the eighties are so. the yeah, that's the source material, and they just filled in the creative parts of the things that they that they wanted to to have in there, and, and whatever story they're trying to tell. Um, and, and so I think the best a lot of things go into whether a story is going to be good or not, and especially if it's adapted from something else. But it really just comes down to are you doing it for the right reasons or not? Mm-hmm. Obviously every, every, um, studio wants to make money from it. Oh, and that's, you know, obviously you have to have make money. So you, then you can make the next project, but then you then hire this, hire the guy who is passionate about it. Hire the guy who wants to take something that he loved as a kid, which is kind of like the Duffer brothers with stranger things. Mm-hmm. They, they, they grew up in the eighties and, then you want to adapt it in today's uh, uh, present time and, and do justice to it instead of hiring someone who wants to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Like J.J. Abrams, like he, he didn't go in saying, I want to respect the work of George Lucas. He's saying, he went in there saying, and Ryan Johnson the same. They went in saying, what, how can I outdo George Lucas? How can I make this better than George Lucas? Mm. And that's why those movies, despite whether they were financially successful, they won't go down in the annals of time being classic movies. Yeah, and I think that 
that actually just made me think of like thinking about the sequel trilogy is that like the, there's a new Indiana Jones movie coming out, like Harrison Ford's in it, like, obviously mm-hmm. and all that. But I, you know, I can't help but like wonder like how entertaining is it going to be? Yeah. You know, like, is it, is it worth it? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, cool, another one. But then you're like, well, wait a second. Like, do I really, do I respectively want this? If you were going to make a new Indiana Jones, that's one of those type of movies where you could keep making movies about it. And as long as you wrote them good, Mm. it it would be entertaining. Um, Because it's just about adventure and, you know, the treasure hunting and, and that type of stuff. I would take, if it was me, I would take the, the guy who played Han Solo in the Solo movie, and I would cast him as as a younger Indiana Jones. Yeah. Or just like, you know, he's the new generation. He's new Indiana Jones. Yeah. And then ha- just continue it. And let, don't don't act like he's tied to one person. Don't act like he's exclusively Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford was old when they made the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Yeah, and now oh, yeah. the dude's like ancient. Like, yeah. what? What are you gonna? That's kind of like what I was going with it. Like, do I really want it? Because like Harrison Ford's not exactly a spring chicken anymore. Yeah, and then at the same time, I that actually made me think of like you know the James Bond movies, right? Like mm-hmm. each time an actor. I don't know if the books are written the same way, um, but you know each time like the actors there, it's just the code name. Like James Bond is the double yeah. seven code name that's given to you if you become that agent so that's it's the perfect kind of plot hole to plug up because you're just like hey someone else is just in the mantle now rather that guy died or retired or whatever the case may be that this explains why it's daniel craig and pierce bosman and sean connery like it works like yeah but i agree with you like india if you're gonna do it don't go for the nostalgia we have to have harrison ford either prequel it or just continue the legacy of just act like it's Indiana Jones and make the movie. Yeah. Hell a new actor who has the same type of charisma and, and, you know, the same type of appeal and put them in and say, this is a new one. Make sure you get good writers to write a good story. And then you'll probably have a pretty successful movie. Yeah. I think we, for, I, I feel like we're just forgetting so much about that. What well, that goes back to us talking about Top Gun, where it just seems like it's slimmed down. They respect and the legacy goes. of the first movie and then built on it with the, with the new Top Gun movie. I just went to YouTube to see if there was any random news I had on myself. Do you watch that new trailer for the new Predator called Prey? Um. Oh. I didn't watch the trailer. I heard the only thing I heard about that was it's like the first movie to be um, dubbed in like Cherokee or something like that. Yeah, because it takes place, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't watched the trailer yet. I didn't either. That's another one where like, is it horror movie milking it at this point? Like, do we need another Predator movie? No, no, we don't. We don't need new Predator. We don't need new Terminators. We don't need new Aliens. Come up with something new. There's tons of books out there that have yet to be adapted into anything that are really good. You know? Mm. So adapt something new. If you're not creative enough to write a really compelling, good story and really good characters, 
adapt something new. Yeah, I think that's the shameful thing, just right there, where there's so much stuff that if if you're going to adapt, like if you can't write something yourself, or you don't want to take the risk on something new, and there's there's strong characters out there, strong books that are well-written, that have fan bases, whether it's a series Mm -hmm. or just a single book, go for something like that. Yeah. Because I, I think we're getting into a point of of staleness because it seems like every other movie is a remake or a sequel. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's different if you're doing it to make a good movie or you're doing it to make a quick buck. Yeah, that's kind of like what I mentioned last week, like the Point Break remake. Like if you're yeah. just going to make a different heist movie, just make a different mm-hmm. heist movie. Because that's yeah. all—that's essentially what it was. It was like you took the names of the characters. I almost said Johnny Rico, but that's not the thing. <laughs> okay, that's Starship Troopers. Uh, but you, you know, you took the names of these characters, you threw them onto new actors, and then you wrote a whole new movie. Well, why not just rename it something and made it a whole different movie? Because yeah. that would have been easier than, I guess, buying trademarks or whatever the studio had to do to get... Yeah. The Point Break name well, that, kind of, that goes kind of like to the a video game thing in a way to um, the Assassin's Creed games. The, the last two Assassin's Creed games now now they're like RPGs. That's not how like the, the first you know whatever yeah. five main titles were. Um, and then it's just it's it's not you have that very little that goes back to like the original plot and like the interconnectivity mm-hmm. of them, but pretty much they're not in any way the same as Assassin's Creed, but you're going to put the Assassin's Creed on it because you know, you can just sell a lot more just because it has that name, whether they're making a new IP. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of one of those weird things where they want, I don't even know what they wanted to do. Cause obviously it started with origins. Mm-hmm. So, like, the last three games have all been that way, where they went mm-hmm. the yeah, more, yeah. like, yeah. weirdly, like, they they combined actual history along with, like, the fictional histories mm-hmm. or anything, because, you know, like, the gods are in them, there's mythical creatures yeah. in them, and whatnot, where, like, what the original games had a lot of conspiracy theory stuff in it, mm-hmm. and everything, so... Yeah, that's a weird pretty one. Much, like, they pretty much dropped, like, the Desmond character, like, the future stuff. Yeah, yeah. Too, and it's like, that was some mildly compelling for a while, but, and then it just kept going, and they didn't know what they wanted to do, and then they just decided, we're going to make a RPG out of the series, not really keep anything, besides, like, a, a little bit of the story to string you along, and then we're still going to keep the assignment screen name on it. Yeah, this, this rings up a really good writing thing, cause, especially because it just got announced the other week. The new, like, Modern Warfare series for Call of Duty. Um, which is essentially remaking the original Modern Warfare series. You didn't, did you play the remake, the 2019? I did not. Uh, um, I think I got it free on PlayStation, but I never actually played it because I heard the online aspect was different. And again, it's like, if you're not going to keep it the exact same as it was, like, 
you're bringing people back for nostalgia, but you're going to change the nostalgia. Yeah. And that, that, that's what's so like, I played it. I played like half the campaign. I think I like got stuck on a level. So like I just stopped playing and then whatever else happened life, you know, whatever it's, it's not bad. It's fun. You know, like the game itself is kind of fun. Like the actual like gameplay and whatnot to it. Probably like the most outside work they ever did in developing a shooter, in my opinion. Because they actually got a real people who, you know, articulate weapons to do the motion captures and all that. So, like, there's a lot of cool details in the game and whatnot. Yeah. But it's like, obviously, like, the more adventures of Captain Price and the guys is a cool kind of idea. But at the same time, I can't sit here and help but be like, why are you we? I don't want to say rewriting it, but like, why are we rewriting it? Mm-hmm. You know, because there's obviously like there's gaps in the original game story where I guess you wanted to add on to it, but then now you've rewritten everything. Yeah. Um. So that's like even more of like a. Uh, you, you you want the name recognition of not just the entire series, but you want the name recognition of a particular game in that series. So you're going to say it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1 or the new one, Modern Warfare 2. And then you're going to get everyone to think, oh, it's the same thing. It's just improved visuals and improved gameplay a little bit. But then you're going to change things. Which, so then don't call it Modern Warfare 1 and Modern Warfare 2. Call yeah, it which something is even else. funnier because like when that, in the middle of 19's run in like 2020, they released like the HD update version of the original Modern Warfare 2. Mm-hmm. along with it and whatnot. I never bought it to play it um, or got a hold of it. But, like, it's one of those things, like, I like it because, like, obviously I want to go on more adventures with these characters or whatnot because, like, they're, well, they're cool characters, you know, kind of like the James mm-hmm. Bond aspect or Indiana Jones or characters we talked about. But at the same time, it's, yeah. it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, guys, but I kind of hate... Because I guess they technically could have continued off of where Modern Warfare 3 left off because Price was mm-hmm. still alive. You wouldn't have, like, yeah. soap and everyone because everyone else died, which, again, mm-hmm. was good writing. Like, I mean, 3 was iffy, but 1 and 2 were good. But... Yeah. I don't know. It It's weird. It's all weird anymore. Yeah, it, again, nobody... It's uh, I mean, it's always been this way. You know, there's always been really bad adaptations. There's always been bad writing for whatever medium you're talking about. Um, but it's just sad when they do it in, in such an egregious way, where they take something that's that was fine the way it was, and they change it, and then it, they ended up making it worse. Yeah. Which, if you had just completely redone it. And just made it the exact same. At least it might have just been improved visually and gameplay wise. And then you at least could have made some sales. But now you're going to change it. And, and what's that going to accomplish? Yeah, I think for like like this series in particular, I don't mind like the game itself. I just hate the title usage because they are just like mm-hmm. renaming the titles. Like you would have just called it something else, like Call of Duty Captain Price's Adventures. I wouldn't care. Yeah, you know what I mean, or like. Like it maybe just like gave it like gave it like a movie kind of title like Shadowfall or Shadow War like some something cheesy but like I wouldn't care as much yeah. because you're not like 
doing the steal mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think all in all, when it when it comes to adaptations, any any person or studio who's who's doing it, you have to look at the source material. What what are the main themes? What are the things that the author is trying to convey? You have to, and then you do it in a way to where you respect the legacy of the characters and the writers or the authors, and you respect the intelligence of the uh, consumer. Yeah. Because they're not, the consumer isn't as stupid as, as a lot of these people think. A lot of people are, judging by how many sales there were with the new uh, Star Wars movies, but they could have done a lot more and garnered a lot more positive feedback if they had done it in a way that wasn't a slap in the face. Yeah. And that star, I'm talking specifically about Star Wars, but I, I'm talking a little bit about the new Lord of the Rings too, which I don't think it's going to be good. I think a lot of people are going to say it's good. And a lot of people who watch things just for the, the visual flair as kind of like a, uh, you know, you sit down, you watch it, you enjoy the fight scenes and you walk away. But to anyone who actually understands the lore and looks more deeply into the storyline, that 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 when you change things like that, it's it, it doesn't make a lasting impact. Yeah, I think that's the same effect that like avid comic book readers would have about like the MCU mm-hmm. too. Yeah, because think, like you yeah. know, like if you've read Civil War, obviously MCU Civil War is nothing like that. Not in the fault mm-hmm. of the film franchise, but you know, because it could never amount to what that comic book art yeah. did. But it's tough to watch it and be like, okay, like you tried, like I give you credit for trying, but there's some mm-hmm. points that maybe you missed out on, or some, yeah, you know, some deep parts of that story that you guys didn't adapt in some way, or you tried to, et cetera, whole, et cetera. Spider Man, the whole Spider Man part of it was lost. Yeah, which was sad because that's when you introduced Spider Man into the MCU. Yeah. So why they so with that not to get too much into that one, but that's an example of, of what you're talking about is how they didn't adapt the importance of Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, like that. that went into the war into the movie. Yeah, then Robot Thor killing Giant Man, mm-hmm. or whichever one of the growers it was at the time. But you know, like they're like. I guess they tried, I guess, doing with Rhodey getting near-death experience. Yeah. You know, they tried capturing some way. But, yeah, like the big Spider-Man plot point, uh, Captain America's assassination, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, key moments that were record-breaking in because of all those events that they couldn't do. So it's like, okay. um, But, yeah, yeah, it's just... It's so the, I'll give you an choose. example of... Of, of another reason why I don't think the Lord of the Rings will be that good. They had a guy who was known throughout the world as one of like the foremost experts on like everything Tolkien. Like this dude knows everything about everything. He's like, he, I think he's written a biography about the guy's life or, or just like tons of different things about the books. He, he knows the guy in that. If he's the guy who you're, if you want a guy to go to to write about Lord of the Rings or, or the Middle Earth universe as a whole, this is the guy. He let slip that Amazon only had 
uh, rights to the unfinished works of Tolkien and not any particular book like The Lord of the Rings or The Silmarillion or anything like that. That that one little slip up that he made, which was apparently against the contract, they fired him. Yeah. And a lot of people in the community think, well, that was just an excuse to get rid of the one guy who's telling these writers, hey, you shouldn't be putting um, certain your own flair on and your own perspective on these characters. You should be doing it in a way. And he was the type of dude who did that, and he was fired for it. Yeah, no, I can, I definitely can see that. And that's the, you know, that's always scary. I mean, we, we touched on it last week and we touched on it earlier here. It's like anytime they say, like, I never played the video game, I never read the book, I never do this, and why the hell are you, why are you working on this? Like, we know someone is giving them the tidbits of information, you know, yeah. like that's why White Vision was in WandaVision because someone told them that existed, right? Like, mm-hmm. if no one said that, we probably would never have had that. Yeah appearance um but it's 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 one of those scary things like it's like damn like what like have a give it to the fans you know like yeah. this is like a and, little and that's why something like the mandalorian works because you have a guy um or a couple guys thankfully who work for disney um who actually respect the source material and then they are able to make a pretty compelling show based on it yeah, this kind of is like a oddball comparison, but uh, I was watching like a behind-the-scenes IndyCar video the other day, and reading the comments, someone was like, you know, the video's good, there's some things we change, and then someone was like, why don't they just hire YouTubers to make the content, like these videos yeah. like this, like to put them together, like even if they film it, why not have these guys edit and put a video together, and it's just the same thing with these, like, there's some fans out there that can write some who are smart enough to make a TV yeah. series. Yeah. Like you don't have to have the credentials of, you know, I went to film school. I went to this. Cause some of these people that they have writing didn't even do that. Like they're not film school people. They're not like they went to Stanford and have a doctorate in something like, what does that have to do with anything? Like why yeah. they're writing because they went to MIT. Like what, you know, like maybe they're making like Armageddon too. Maybe that would work. But what does that have to do with, you know, this or this or, something you know what i mean and but some of these fans like you watch some of these youtube videos and they'll talk about like the lore of a book or a battle or this or that you're like damn like what's well, like amazon like did like a uh a really scummy move where it, it was so obvious they hired four random actors or just random people i don't even think they were actors. although those, so those that super fan video yeah the interviews the or whatever video. yeah Oh yeah. my god! They were so obvious. They had so obviously never even seen Lord of the Rings, and definitely weren't fans of, of the books or anything. That it was so obvious. And you think like the fans are so stupid that they would look at that and be like, "Oh wow, these four random losers like the movie or the the new show. I'll like it too." Yeah, no. If you would have grabbed like four of the actors from the movies who mm-hmm. maybe you know who lived in the world for five years, yeah, and had them watch it i would have believed it you know like i would have more of a reaction but yeah and it was like like it was for like nobodies too like did you see that um they just announced it a few days ago that um kentaro miras the writer of berserk his his like right hand man assistant is going to continue 
because he, before he died uh, last year. Why are you doing? My cat just jumped on me. Sorry. Um, he he wrote he left the guy an outline of everything that to write, and this guy's been working with him for like twenty years or something like that. So if you're like he's the guy to where if anyone can keep writing the story after Mira's passing, it would be him. And that's like the equivalent of what these people are doing is if you had gotten some random dude from like, like Norway or like Botswana or America who got out of like college and like they just want to write a story and they said, oh, Berserk, a character, uh, a story about a brooding guy with a giant sword. Like, I'll, I'll finish it. Yeah. Like, that'd be equivalent of what they're doing. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's, uh, you know, like people kind of talk about like, if something happened to Oda, like what would happen to One Piece, in like a similar yeah. fashion, you know, like or uh, you know, Hunter Hunter is another big one that has taken huge breaks where the author has just stopped writing, and mm-hmm. it, it makes you wonder, like what, like how much stuff is maybe on storyboards laying around or a notebook yeah. of plot lines and all that. And it's good to know, like a love series is in good hands, and then you also wonder in those ones where if there isn't someone like that or a studio or publishers greedy, like, damn, what does happen? Well, I mean, the perfect example of that is like Marvel. Yes. And to a slightly lesser extent DC, but Marvel, especially with all the new writers writing storylines for them with the comics, it's completely unreadable. Yeah. DC's the same way. Yeah. It's, you can you could tell there's no originality anymore. Yeah, in a lot of the stuff, even when they announce this new stuff, everybody's like, "Really? Like we don't need mm-hmm. another super event? Like we know it sells books, but we don't need it." Yeah, so it's just. Uh, I think I think I don't want to repeat myself too much, but it's just respecting the source material, respecting the the consumer, and if you write it for the right reasons, then you can get over any limitations. I think whether you're in a show or a movie or, or a video game, there are ways that you can get around any limitation and still do justice to, to the story and the characters. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think there's, there's good ways of doing it, wrong ways of doing it. We've seen a lot of wrongs. We've seen rights, but there's has to be more rights. Yeah. Rather that's getting the, and it comes down to the consumer not giving your time or your money to these companies who do not respect the things that you love. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. There's other alternatives out there. Yeah, I think uh, one production that I've recently followed is the new Terminal List series that stars Chris Pratt on Amazon July 1st. That sounds like a sponsorship, but I'm really good at that. Gotta practice in case we ever get sponsors. Um, oh yeah, it uh, the author himself, Jack Carr. I don't. I've had him on Instagram too, along with the series page that they created, and he posted various footage of him being on set, watching the you know watching them film stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and he is a former Navy SEAL himself and operator knows tons of guys and I'm sure they had people come in 
besides him mm-hmm. to help make sure stuff is as good as it can get. And I hope that comes out in the series. By having yeah. like you know the writer on set to bring his vision to life, to also say yeah. like, hey, like he wouldn't be walking that way. He'd be walking mm-hmm. this way, or you know, if he's the fight choreography, like I know you guys are doing it, but like this is what we were taught or trained to do. Yeah, in the core, and or you know, whatever. Authenticity, authenticity really does matter. Yeah, whether people don't think it does or not, um, it, it really does. And those little details, people do notice it, and it what set it's what can set like a mediocre show or movie from like a good or a good from a great. Yeah, I mean, even, like, if we, you know, this seems like a weird example, but could you imagine, like, the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan being different? You know what I yeah, mean? Like, no. that beach scene, like, if it was PG-13 instead of R, or didn't have the details it had in it, like, mm-hmm. it would be wild to think. Like, it would have had the same impact that, that it had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... And the the impact of doing it in such a realistic way is what made that scene so iconic. If you had taken out the the blood and guts and, and the the blood red water and, and just the dudes getting mowed down by machine guns, or if you had done it in, in not as so much of a brutal way, it, it you wouldn't have the impact. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's one of those ones, like, I couldn't help but think about that just now with you saying that, like, that's probably one of the most authentic-looking scenes, the stories of mm-hmm. the vets and the people yeah. who left the theater when they saw it and whatnot because they couldn't, because mm-hmm. it was so realistic to what they experienced was... I mean, I'm glad that movie came out when it did, to have the yeah. stories and the people to overlook the production to mm-hmm. allow that to happen. Whereas, like, if it came yeah. out now... Who knows what it would have looked like, you know? Yeah, that's true. So, like, again, if as consumers, we have to be the ones to, we held the ultimate decisions. We are the ones who can tell these people, like in, in the instance of Sonic, if you don't change this, we're not going to spend money on what you're trying to sell. And you have to let go, even if you love something. Even if you love you know, the past 10 years of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if what they're putting out now is garbage, you don't need to watch it. There's 70 years of, of good comic material out there. Go pick up a comic and read them. Go read manga. I mean, that's why manga is, is the top 20 comic sales in America is all manga, and none of it is American comics. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not just because it's, like, the alternative to read these days. It's just it's better stuff mm-hmm. you know like I don't know I'm always a pusher for people to explore new things you know yeah, like if, if you're not liking these shows try this show or like you know yeah. don't be scared to watch it like there's plenty not saying everyone's gonna love an anime but there's thousands of different ones out there that you're bound to don't, find something that you might like don't be afraid to cut ties with, with these big corporations because believe me, they don't love you. Yeah. Yeah, Disney made some great stuff for a really long time. And some of the stuff they still come out with is pretty decent. But a lot of stuff they've done recently is really shady. Yeah, same thing. It's Yeah. So, 
don't blindly give them all of your support. Yeah, call Don't blindly call give Netflix your support. Netflix has made so many terrible anime adaptations. I hate that I sometimes I, I hate that I subscribe to them every month. Yeah. But then there's stuff they make that's good. Yeah. So you just gotta pick and choose. And if it comes to putting your material in something new and different and giving it a chance or something old and tired out, pick the new thing. Yeah, and I think like even with like me personnel wise, like I have enjoyed motorsports to an extent, but now I'm hugely into motorsports. Mm-hmm. Like just a natural kind of thing. Like, okay, I really like this now over the stuff I used to like before just for a different yeah. entertainment album. But I like it. I like all types of it. Even like reading comics a little bit more. I'm getting back into that. Not fucking. I'm reading a book. Like I haven't, yeah. you know, I read terminal list last year. I have all the series. Like I have all five of the books that are currently out, but like I'm reading mm-hmm. it. Like I'm liking it, but just better than what's, there right now or or at least for me yeah. it is for other people it might not be but um quick sidebar i guess you know just so we don't kill that stuff the warriors are about to win their fourth championship for the big three because they're up 22 points in the third right now oh so wow absolutely shooting 50 percent from three they've only shot two free throws jesus christ celtics are shooting 30 percent from three there's no oh yeah if the Celtics come back, I'll be surprised, but um, I doubt it. Quick uh side crazy thing. I just found a new series on Paramount Plus that they dropped called Players. And it's uh-huh. a mockumentary about esports. About uh, esports? Yeah. I think I was browsing that not too long ago. I think I saw the the preview for it, but I didn't yeah, I watched the first episode. I was on the second one before we got to recording time. It's sort of funny. It makes fun of it in a good way. Like, it points mm-hmm. out all the obscurities of, like, how these teams got developed or whatever. And they have four episodes up. I don't know. I'm sure there's more that are coming out. Um, I don't know. Kind of a little interesting show that I'm kind of, like, glad exists because of esports. But, um, yeah, it's, it's shot in a mockumentary style because it's, like, a documentary about a team and, like, Mm-hmm. a controversial kind of player and now like what's happening to him now. So it's actually, it's kind of entertaining in that regard, you know, d- yeah. something different. Yeah. I think, I think the, uh, esports thing is funny. I don't think it has taken off. Like everyone thought it was going to like four years ago. Yeah. It, it died a little bit for sure yeah. where it was. Cause I mean, I was like big into overwatch for a long time. I remember when they came out with the overwatch, yeah, league overwatch and they were actually league. playing it. Mm. on ESPN yeah. a few times and then just you know every I, I haven't seen very much of anything around esports lately yeah I think besides like League of Legends or like Counter-Strike you know like the the only the big games that yeah. have a big following there really mm-hmm. isn't much else happening um with those uh, like and I guess that's the thing too is I wonder like it obviously is pointing out the weird gamer lifestyle like FaZe Clan is and all that. It's one of those things where like anything else, you need you need personalities to sell your brand. I mean what sells anything? I mean obviously the the, the whatever it is itself, but would UFC be as interesting if if Conor McGregor wasn't in it? Yeah. No, yeah. So I think I think if you really wanted to like 
if they really wanted to propel esports to like a different level, um, enable like shit talking. Yeah. Like, like with mics, like, and just like, I think I just think it'd be so funny to see like these people talking back and forth, like you do in any sport, like on any court or field. Yeah. Like where these guys are talking shit, and it would just be so funny and uh, more entertaining to just be like some fat like Korean kid like telling some other like fat American kid like I'm gonna like I'm gonna snipe your dome off, scrub. Yeah, like you know, they they got it a part of the show. One of the characters like does the wrong thing, and they, it's it's all in League of Legends too. Like that's what they're playing in the yeah. show, and uh, he's like yelling at me. They're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know, it's like say, which obviously mm-hmm. like happens to some extent, but they never play it. But I agree with you, like that extra, like that little detail that would make it more fun to watch yeah. and experience because you know what's happening. Because I, I kind of feel like watching esports is like watching golf. If you know golf and you are well versed in it when you see a really good golf play you know it is oh but anyone yeah. else who's like a passive watcher they don't know yeah but it's like if you're watching uh a, like uh baseball mm-hmm. and some guy hits a home run well you know how you like the whole crowd erupts when that happens, yeah you know and then you can also have you know like things like fights or like arguments or like different things like that that's also entertaining yeah so the- i think that these sports you need more than just like these weirdo announcers who are like way overly hyped about a video game saying like, Oh, can you believe the, like this guy, uh, you know, dragon dude sniped. What's his name? Like it's not very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I was at, I was watching YouTube once when I was bored somewhere and watched like, like the first round of worlds years back, like 19 or 20. And was like watching it, and I think is there a crowd? I think there. I'm trying to remember if they were land. I think they were, but there's maybe some crowd. So like there's some crowd like interaction with the things too. And I'm like trying to follow because like obviously I barely know how the games played, but I was just like, what the hell? I'm gonna watch it because like I'm not. I need something to listen to. And it it was kind of like that. Like they're yelling. I'm like, okay. Like I guess they did good because they killed this thing or whatever. Yeah. And had to had to learn it. And what was excited? Um. But yeah, I mean that's you that's just like a big point with anything. I think with the how social media and everything is anymore, that if you open it up more for people, mm-hmm. you can get people involved, which is what yeah. F one and Drive to Survive with Netflix did. Like it fucking blew mm-hmm. up in four years. Like it was our already the biggest racing in the world, but then you blew up more because you gave a version of it to people to watch. Yeah. Especially with yeah. like twenty twenty happening and everything, like everybody's watching everything. That's what most people say, and then you know, then you're you're even bigger than you were. Mm-hmm. So. And and I think too with the the esports thing, I think I think in general it just needs to be more interesting. I think you need to do more to differentiate the game that everyone else plays from the game that these elite players are playing. Yeah, like and something I- that jumps out of my mind is like if you have and i'll use overwatch as an example because that's like the most recent thing i've ever i've watched with with the esports mm-hmm. is you get a character who's like the best at sniping okay well then they pick like black widow every game well what if you had a a, a mechanic in the game where every so often the characters just randomly switched 
and then both teams would have to adjust to the new structure of the team to win or lose. Yeah, and that's something they do in, like, Dota and League of Legends. They do that with, like, the character drafts where, like, a character is locked. Like, they can vote on who to lock so, like, that someone's main can't get used. come up with with more, more things like that to make it more interesting. Yeah, it's... I was gonna say because I watched a little bit of like the Call of Duty League when it was out. Like I think it's still happening, mm-hmm. but like I don't care anymore because yeah. that was another one that they put they put a bunch of money into it with yep. Modern Warfare because they restarted the whole thing, like they rebranded it all and everything. Oh, was I? Oh yeah, yeah. You could lock. There was some part of the loadouts they could lock, like. Or self was just banned. I guess self was just out of my band. It wasn't locked mm-hmm. like that or whatever. But yeah, I think it's it's hard to make a video game. If you're not into it at all, you can't watch it. Because yeah. it is just it's just like watching streamers or you know, like achievement hunter videos or whatever on YouTube. You know, like you have to be into it to some extent. Whereas like I guess someone playing a game with a group of friends like the achievement hunter guys used to do or still do. Yeah. You have like the outside communication in it but then esports doesn't have that or you're just watching people compete if you don't care you don't care but yeah i thought it was an interesting just like little series to run into because i was expecting it i was just watching seal Mm -hmm. team and i was like what the hell is this yeah but you know if i mean if you can have darts and bowling and cornhole stuff like that on espn then you know i'm sure as time goes on there will be a a niche somewhere for the esports scene, but it definitely—I don't feel like it's gotten as big as what people were hyping it up like five years ago. Yeah, I don't know if it's—I'd have to keep an eye. Like when World starts again, I'm sure I'll see some type of brand for it if it's on ESPN, mm-hmm. like one, two, or three. Um, yeah, I mean, hell, even like Cornhole's got Johnsonville behind it as like the main sponsorship, like something like that to help elevate stuff. Um. Yeah, I think uh, we had some good talks tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we uh, talked about a a good issue that's worth talking about. And I just would remind everyone again, speak with your wallet, speak with your dollar, and don't support companies that don't make good material. Don't be a blind consumer. Yep. And, yeah, I don't know. I'll just repeat that because it's just the, the that's entertainment these days, and that is our that is our power. Besides, you know, if you can't change it, ran it on the internet like Sonic, then the dollar is what changes it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll exactly. leave we'll leave it there. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. So long.